0: Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Hello and welcome back to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op. We are not in Springfield today. We took a little road trip up north to Russellville, Kentucky uh, to speak with Dr. David Woodall. Uh, Dr. Woodall, in addition to running the Bethel Vet Clinic, he also owns and operates Woodall Angus Farm just outside of Russellville. How you doing, Dr. Woodall? Doing fine. Pretty doing good. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And you said this was your first podcast. I listened to done. a lot of them the first time I've got to speak into one of them. So. Well, I'm excited to have you on, and I'm honored to be the first one you've ever been on. <laughs> uh, so, Dr. Woodall, um, let's start off. I, like I told you before we got started, I came to one of your sales years ago. Um, but other than that... Woodall Angus Farm and the clinic here—it's—it's it's pretty unknown to me. I don't have any experience other than that one time at, at one of your sales. Uh, tell me about the history of Woodall Angus Farm and the clinic here. Like which—which which one came first? Did they both did it happen at the same time, or did one come before
1: the other? Well, um, my dad started raising cattle where we live right now. Uh, in the well, my grandfather had cattle there, just like many. My sons are seven generations on our farm, okay? So my grandfather and my great-grandfather had cattle there just like anybody back in the 40s, 50s. My dad went to college in the 1960s, and my dad was real interested in cattle. He had an uncle who had Angus cattle, and uh, my dad started out with Hereford cattle and had commercial cows. And my dad quickly got to 100 commercial cows, which was not as common you mm. know, back then. Uh, and he started using Angus bulls and my uncle and, inf- or his uncle influenced him to use. And, uh, my dad ran, you know, cattle, tobacco, beans, corn, wheat, you know, just a diversified farm. Uh, and he also taught school. So he was teaching school and doing all that, but we had a hundred cows, all of me growing up. Okay. So that's where my interest was. My dad said when I was a little bitty boy, three, four years old, that he wonder where I was? And I'd be out in the pasture just with the cows, and they people with neighbors would say, "Hey, got to get that little boy out of the cattle; he's gonna get hurt." And they <laughs> said, "Those cows think he's a part of them." He said, "You can't get him out of there." So, uh, uh, so we, my dad had cattle then, and then in 1983, um, I was uh, still like a freshman in high school, and I bought a registered bred heifer. And uh just my own money. Went to a sale, went to a registered sale in Bowling Green and they were selling and bought a man caught a cow from a guy in uh from Glasgow and took that cow home and then my dad bought some heifers from Neely Brothers in Franklin, which had cattle for years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um we just my dad's just played with it. So my dad farmed, we did a lot, but he knew I had a big interest in cattle and you know, as you get in high school uh boys kind of think they got to know their own thing do their own thing and my dad was smart enough to know that he and i'd have a bond mm. through the cattle operation and uh so we did that and he learned ai and that didn't pan out so when i became a s- junior in high school he said son you're going to ai so he got somebody to train me when i was a junior in high school and i started artificial breeding cows then And we started selling a few bulls, you know, on the farm. And, you know, we had our commercial cows and a few registers, and we just kind of grew that a little bit more. And then that interest in that, in the livestock industry and agriculture, I didn't think I could uh, make it farming just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, at that time. So I did well in school. So, hey, vet school sounds like a good way to go. So I went to Western Kentucky University And I learned a lot about animal science then, and our cattle thing started growing and growing. And I got applied to vet school. I got into vet school, and I still kept helping at the farm what I could from vet school kind of remotely. We still kind of kept the registered cattle going and still had commercial cattle. When I got out of vet school and graduated, I took a job close to here, neighboring county, Todd County. And so I guess they all kind of intertwined, if that's Mm. okay. But, um, um, my dad's still teaching school, still got cattle, and I start helping, you know, what I can do working, you know, mm-hmm. in the vet clinic, but still whenever I have time to go to the farm and do things. And so I guess from there, I bought half of a clinic here in Russellville at that time. Uh, it was a mixed animal practice, did mixed animal practice, but I mainly did large animal until 19, I mean, until 2016, 2016, I sold the small animal part went 100% large animals. So I do equine, bovine. And um, that first year also, backtracking a little bit, that first year out of vet school, I didn't have a lot of time to show people bulls. Mm. <laughs> so people say, hey, I want to come look at bulls. And, you know, I'm running and dad kind of want me to talk to people because I'm doing the AI and we started doing a little bit of embryo transfer. And and it just got to be, well, I said, well, you know, we'll just have a sale. Mm. So It was a little common then to have open houses where people would come, you could see the bulls and you could sign up for ones you do not bid on. You could sign up for all of them. You didn't have to bid on it, but only the people signed up would bid. So I did that for three years here in Russellville where I lived. We'd bring the bulls up here and we did that for three years. And then uh, somebody suggested, you know, you just ought to have an auction. So Mm. we decided we'd have an auction at the farm in quality. And I had a lot of people say, there's no way in the world you're going to get anybody to come buy a bull in quality. So we picked, like the end of march a saturday the end of march and we started having auctions and this will be our 28th annual sale and we've grown to about 185 mama cows we sell roughly 80 bulls a year and you know handful of females um the clinic's grown too i have at sometimes three veterinarians right now i have two trying to get three doing we travel big area go to springfield green bar bowling green greenville hopkinsville Princeton, Clarksville. So we travel a big radius, mm-hmm. but we've been blessed. So we do equine, bovine work, and then have our sale. We do DNA, we do embryo transfer, IVF, AI. Um, any technology wise, as far as growing and developing our cattle, we go with that. And um, so I guess that's a long way going to answer your question. All, but that's man. that's the history. That was okay? perfect. That was perfect. I have. I have three boys that are heavily involved in the farm now. Okay. Seven
0: yep. seven generations. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. There. Yes, sir. Are you sure you're not a teacher? Because you did a great job of going through and thoroughly explaining that. I'm naturally
1: that. a teacher. You, I'm naturally oh, a teacher. I picked up on yeah, it, man. Yeah, you yeah,
0: did a great yeah, job. So yeah. you're, you're. when you first said that, I was pretty fascinated. Your your boys are seventh, the seventh generation, still on that same mm-hmm. particular yes, piece of land. Yes, sir. That's that's fascinating. Not many people can say that. No, not no. seven generations. And my son
1: has just recently bought a little piece of ground adjacent to our farm, pretty close. Okay. And so he's doing that also. My oldest son will be graduating from vet school this May, and uh, he's trying to fill out things where he's going to go, what he's going to do right mm-hmm. now. And my youngest son, he's at Western Kentucky University. He's getting a degree, teaching degree, and he's getting a degree in agronomy and soil science. Uh, he graduated also from Bible College in Birmingham, mm. and he's also in ministry pretty heavily, too. No so, kidding. So, yeah. Awesome.
0: The future is looking bright at <laughs> uh, Woodall Farm in the vet <laughs> well, clinic here, man. That's that's fantastic. Mm. And did you say your dad is still teaching, or is he retired? No.
1: My dad taught till um, gosh, I don't know what year he retired, but he's been retired. My mom taught for 35 years. My dad taught off and on for several years but they both retired both at the farm uh we have an employee now but pretty much 95 90 percent of everything done feeding breeding working cattle fencing so everything is done by my dad is, my, my, my my boys helping and myself helping and my nephew.
0: Is it a relief to know that you know while you're here doing your work at the clinic or you're traveling you know some to Greenbrier say for example that's a good little drive from here. Is it a relief knowing that you've got your dad and and your boys well there yeah he's been helping?
1: he's been taking care of the cow and feeding them and everything since you know, he was in high school mm-hmm. and you know he's still he's seventy seven now and he's still taking care of it and so
0: well it was funny I. uh yesterday I tried to spend some time getting familiar You know, I got, I looked at your, your website and everything, just trying to educate myself mm-hmm. on y'all's operation. And there was a video somebody did on there, uh, interviewing you and your dad mm-hmm. and I yeah. got tickled. Uh, your dad, he, he told that exact same story about you being yeah, the pastor yeah, with the yeah. kid. And they said the neighbors were scared to death. Them cows are going to kill him. And yeah. the way he said it, I just got tickled. Yeah. It cracked me up listening to him. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't aware. I was thinking that he maybe had started the clinic here and and no, kind of passed the torch on to you, but no. you're the one that, that got no, the ball. This
1: clinic was originally created in the early 1940s by Dr. James Luckett. Okay. And several veterinarians over the years have been through here in a mixed practice. And so I bought, like say, my half in 1998 and then full practice, Full owner of the, this the large animal part here in 2016. So, okay, so that's kind of the history here. But yeah.
0: So going going back to the farm, it didn't start out as a exclusively an Angus operation. Mm-mm. It was mm-hmm. uh, as far as the first breed of cattle, was it Hereford that you. Yeah, owned? Daddy
1: had some Hereford cattle. You know, years ago. I guess it was probably early 70s, he started using Angus bulls a whole lot and then maybe got a few Angus cows. And then just because of using Angus bulls, you know, got black baldy cows and we had commercial cows for years. And we didn't just say, okay, one day we're just going to get rid of the commercial cows and just go all registered. We started breeding registered cows and we have just began to... We kept the best females, whether it was commercial or registered. And just over time, we're... We've we've got... You know, we have maybe 10, 15 commercial cows now that are recipients, you know, mm-hmm. for embryo transfer work, but that'd be at the most.
0: So what, did something, I guess when y'all got into the AI part of it, was that kind of what, what clicked and was like, hey, you know, we can obviously, we can improve genetics very, very, very quickly mm-hmm. by doing this. Yes. Was, was that kind of what um, uh, led y'all to seeing the benefit in that, which, Leading to the seed stock part of it? Yeah, I mean,
1: my dad's always been pretty innovative. and I mean, he's just... My dad is a really good grass man. Mm. He's a very good forage man. And that's been our biggest key. We raise our bulls and our cattle just like our commercial cattlemen that buy our bulls. Mm. They don't get special treatment. We do feed corn silage in the summer, in the winter, but we do that because... I can raise a lot of tons of feed per acre. And so we double crop that. We we grow these uh, small grains whether it's oats, triticale, uh, ryegrass or mixtures or whatever we do we, we we cut that each spring and then we'll go back in those areas and plant corn size and we have a rotational program with some crabgrass clovers and different things like that and in our pasture ground so we cut a lot of grass hay and then the small grains and ryegrass and stuff so basically whatever we can do of course those kind of get expensive far as sowing and everything else right now but but we can raise a lot of forage per acre and so we have, we run a lot of cows per acre. Now I know that the exact numbers and everything I can't give you, but sometimes it feels like we have cows on top of cows, you know. But <laughs> but I mean that's kind of the environment we try to we try to assimilate or raise our cattle in such an environment that the people that are buying our bulls were. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when we first started breeding AI and we bred we made some mistakes. I I bred some cattle and some bulls that didn't hold up as well. This wasn't what I wanted. Maybe weren't as maternal, the mm. good mama cows as I wanted. So uh, we made a big turn in how we were doing that, and we breed cattle more the way we want them to be. And uh, we we even AI to some of our own genetics now. When we, mm. we collect some of our own bulls and breed that, which is not, you know, some of the bigger operations. Many do that. They kind of get what they want as far mm-hmm. as the ideal cow bull, which, you know, that's the, uh, what should I say, um, that's the goal of any seed stock producer like myself. You know, next year I'm going to breed one just to, you know, let that better bull, you know, a better group right. of them, you know, better better females. And so we're always shooting for that.
0: Well, it's it's interesting you talk about, um, you know, the, your dad being the, the grass man of it. And I'm uh-huh. sure a soil man too, you know, because uh-huh. that's such a large uh-huh. part of it. And, you know, when you, when you can focus on improving those to, to whatever their potential is— your your stocking density and your your rate can mm-hmm. you can have many many more compared to just you know yep. putting them in one pasture and leaving them there yep. year round. Right. As far as um, during the growing season, you know, April, May, June, uh, with the cool season, I know one of the biggest challenges for cattle producers this area, Tennessee, you know, the fescue belt is the mm-hmm. the fight fescue. Mm-hmm. In um, the effect that it has on yep. cattle, do y'all do anything in particular to try to okay? That? Let me tell you
1: how we manage that. We still have a lot of endophyte fescue, okay, and there are genetic lines, probably in all breeds, but I know in Angus breed that there are genetic lines that tolerate fescue much better than others, mm-hmm. and we have genetically selected for that as hard as we can. Uh, The Angus Association has a hair score EPD. Mm -hmm. When they first started doing research for hair scores on what they did, they scored cattle, how quick they shed off Mm -hmm. in May, June, the early part of the year. Well, the University of Mississippi State was doing a lot of that research, and so we were on that pilot program, and they came and scored a lot of our cattle, okay? So we we select heavily for cattle that shed quicker, okay? Mm -hmm. And we just see it in general – I have a 65-day calving season. If they don't calve in that 65-day calving season, we only calve in the fall, they're gone. Now, some of them, I I, I do sell this, some of the cattle that calve the ne, or breed the next 30 days, we do sell them for as bred cattle. If they don't calve in 90 days, they go to town.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No questions asked. And even though fertility is lowly heritable, mm-hmm. you still see those influences. And I think doing that and managing forages, like you said, uh, I'm more, I'm more apt to be proud or happy of the percentage of cows I've got bred in X 21 days, Mm -hmm. 60 day window than I am this great big 750 pound bull cab that I wean. Don't get me wrong. I want to grow cattle. We, we breed cattle that grow. If they don't do that, we don't keep them, Mm -hmm. but fertility and, and is so important in the bottom line of a commercial cow cab Mm -hmm. producer. That's my that's my heart. That's my bottom. I mean, that's that's me. And so we are a constant. We do everything we can in those. We AI everything. We put in embryos, and then we turn out cleanup bulls, and that's just a big part of it. So back to your original question, I'm sorry. Yes, we genetically select for those, and we try to manage our pastures best we can with many other things that we could talk about or not. Mm-hmm. But actually, to be honest with you, I actually I bought a farm a few years ago. And it doesn't matter what group of cows I put on it. There's a bottom ground right there. And when I put cows in there in June, July, and August, they suffer. Really? It's re- so we know that there are areas and spots where the endophyte is more concentrated, more toxic in some pasture fields of Kentucky 31. And I can move them out of that field and put them in another field that's got Kentucky 31, and they'll be okay. But this feels pretty bad, and so I'm actually going to— redo that pasture this time. It's bottom ground and I keep it sowed and and I catch a lot of soil that other people lose in that area, but uh, we're gonna have to manage a
0: little bit because they don't do well there. That's fascinating. I've never never heard of that before about certain pastures being more uh, prone to having it and the cow performance suffering if you put them in that particular path.
1: Oh, I can why, I can take you there and just show you. We can put them in there. And what do
0: you think the science behind that is?
1: I don't There's know. No
0: fertile ground helps it thrive better. Well, or?
1: well, we know that the endophyte makes fescue thrive better. We know that it right. called It's a symbolic symbolic, you know relationship there, and it does make Kentucky. That's why it's so hardy, you know. And this fescue mm. down there is extremely hardy. It's bottom ground creek, bottom ground. Um, and it's kind of got a wet slough in it and spots and it water gets out on it all the time i don't know what the chemistry soil history of seed you know i can't tell you that you know you have to get an agronomist that has something and they might say i'm wrong but i can i have other lots of other fields that has kentucky 31 okay and i can take cattle out of that pasture when they're suffering and put them in other fields and they'll gain and look better and and hair coat will look better and everything else. But then when I put them back in there during those time periods. Now, in the fall, when after, especially after a frost, when I mean, it's cooler, mm-hmm. turn them in there, it's heaven for them, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I've never, I've never uh, thought about that before. Well, that's but, my observation of what's going oh, on it there, sounds too. like there's something to it yeah, then, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're the one that would know, yeah. uh, observing the, the cow's performance yeah. and whatnot. But, you know, I, to me, it's just not practical. Because Kentucky 31, it's I think it's a very useful forage. Just because you're talking about the hardiness of it, how mm-hmm. well it
1: does. It's kept it's kept the soil together in yes. Kentucky and Tennessee in many places. Yes. You know, in these many places, it needs to be there right now. Oh, you know,
0: yes, and I, you know, I'll see these advertisements and publications about the endophyte free fescue, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's wonderful stuff. But to go out and have to renovate your pastures and put Excellent. that in, well.
1: I'm fixing to try to do that in some of this, you know, and I'm going to use a buffer zone around the creek Mm -hmm. and around certain areas to keep where it's at. Mm -hmm. But some of that better soil flatter out in that area, I'm actually going to spray this time and put some summer annuals on it and in the fall try to get it. And we we have also have a lot of fields of of, uh, -of end-of-fight friendly into fight free of some of those fescues. We've got. Like, we can tell you all the different ones we've tried. Okay, and we have several of those, and we manage those too. You know, so, but uh, you know, if you got highly erodible ground, Kentucky thirty-one is where we try to go. So.
0: Oh, it's it it holds that stuff together, man. It's I mean it's a highly useful uh, type of grass in, in my opinion, just like yours. I'm curious. So you don't do any spring cabin, just not at home, just not fall. on our farm. Yep. Okay.
1: The reason, we have two reasons for that. We have a spring bull sale, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the end of February. This February is the 27th this year. Um, I like selling those bulls when they're 18, 19 months old. They're bigger. They're ready to go. I feel more confident in what I can say fertility is on them, and they're bigger and and ready for people to go, and we have a lot of spring cavers, okay? Uh, The other reason was we used to have a spring group and a fall group, so we had a spring group of bulls and a fall group of bulls. We had a spring group of heifers and a fall group of heifers. And so we had to manage each of those groups one way or the other, or however, how you want to do it. And, uh, you had to AI those cows in the spring, either March, April, May, or whenever you're mm-hmm. going to do that. And Dr. Woodall was too busy to do that then. <laughs> so now I, uh, my dad's always made, if you leave reading that, um, um, the little introductory thing we have on yeah. Facebook now, my yeah. dad and I did a few years ago. If you'll see in there, we usually uh, do a lot of our cattle work, to around holidays, mm. and so uh, I've got you have boys home for from school for years there. During, during Thanksgiving and early December, and so uh, we AI there about ten days, put in embryos, you know, in the same period, and then after that bulls go out because I just don't have time to sure. Do
0: no, that that makes sense. Do you notice a difference as far as – well, I don't know if you would be able to notice it since you don't uh, do any free well, We used to have cattle. a whole lot of them, but I can – Is the the conception rates, do you think it's better that time oh, yeah, of year? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So I, as a veterinarian, so I'm managing people all the time, they're breeding, what's going on, why things aren't. Right. Especially if you're in an fight area and you have quite a bit, you know, come 15th of May, 20th of May, when the most people want to turn out for spring caves. You get the first cycles pretty good. After that, when it gets hot, fertility mm-hmm. just starts dropping, yeah. okay? And then those the late fall, winter, early spring, you don't run into that. So mm-hmm. it comes this big problem for our beef cattle operations, you know, when am I going to breed, when am I going to calve? Am I looking more, I want to get them bred, or am I looking more of the issues I face when they when they calve, okay? Right. So for me, we, we start breeding early December. That puts us we'll have a few caves in august and that's a little too hot i don't like that we've moved that just a little bit because our our climate's getting hotter too you know mm-hmm. and and uh so we see a little issues with that but we can manage those caves coming a little bit i think a little bit easier um, so that's kind of where we're going with that will i change it in a few years i don't know i might a little bit but i don't i love spring caves i love them being out on grass mm-hmm. in the springtime uh, this winter time you know it's kind of tough on those caves but but we seem to manage through it okay, and uh, it just I like I like weaning those calves uh, late March, April, mm-hmm. then we run our bulls out on pasture and just supplement them with silage, and uh, we kind of just grow them along. That's mm-hmm. you know we don't we don't they don't run to feeders or anything. You don't like push that. them too hard. I know, no. Our average back fat in October on our bulls in the sale was uh, .16 back fat, so they're not they're not fat.
0: I think it seems like more and more breeders have kind of learned that, you know, you put them on that hot feed like that. You run into these, issues. These feet trouble because that's, uh, you know, besides, in my experience, probably, you know, pink eye. That's the biggest disease that we we deal with, you know, during, during the summertime. Um, but before that, you know, just feet issues mm-hmm. constantly, it seemed like. But to the breeders, the association it seems like it's really improved on that quite yeah. a bit. Um, so – being a large animal vet and managing the seed stock operation at the same time in what ways do do they impact each other you know you being a large vet it's obviously going to be a a, a very good complement to the farm and what what y'all are doing there and vice versa i would think right
1: yeah yeah i mean um my experience in that and and educational basis for being able to be a veterinarian helps a whole lot at Mm -hmm. the farm. Okay. I mean, that, that does a whole lot. Knowing and understanding the management aspects of everyday cattle operation helps me know, and I can empathize. I understand what people are dealing with when they have cattle, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, a large percentage of my practice is equine now. Mm -hmm. And so I still think just knowing the farm, understanding agriculture, you know, I just, I mean, I have a feel for what's going on in the in the cattle world and in mm-hmm. industry, you know. So, I can, uh, yeah, they, they, they go along with each it, other.
0: What it, well, it makes you relatable. Exactly, you know, exactly. You, That's the you, right word, exactly. Go, when you go out to these farms and, and talk with these producers. And I can
1: be relevant to what they're going on, part sure. of what I can share. You know? Sure,
0: but it's so interesting that you said, you know, you um, you got out of the, the small animal mm-hmm. part of the business where you specifically focus on large animals mm-hmm. now. I'm very rare. That's rare. That's That's extremely rare. rare. Yeah, that's very rare. What led to that decision?
1: uh well, my emphasis when I was going to vet school was, of course, cattle. Okay, and that's my that's my passion. Okay, and so that's what I was passionate about going to vet school. Of course, when I go to vet school, you learn everything, and I was open, and I did. And when I first got out, I did some small animal, but more and more veterinarians doing small animal there's less and less people veterinarians doing large animal for several years Mm -hmm. so it just opened up avenues for me to do more a lot of the amish that moved in todd logan christian county and around uh moved here while i was a young veterinarian so they have needs for dairy work and beef cattle work and all their horse work and so i just began to do a lot of that and my time, even though on the practice, I could hire people to do small animal much more easy. Than I could hire people to do large animals, so it's kind of where my passion was, where I have a knack, you know just it's kind of my niche, I guess you could say, so I never did do a whole lot, and so uh, I'm not opposed to it. It just um it you know you you have a total different set of goals, you have a total different set of workers you have drugs, you know it's, it's completely different so instead of diversifying or going that route, I just went the other route because of the demand.
0: That so, is so rare. Yeah, you
1: know. yeah, you know, and my hours are worse. And, I mean, and you can sit here and say pay difference or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's very rare. And so it's it's my, my biggest – so when I went to vet school being a large animal veterinarian, that's what I wanted to do. My biggest concern was can I be a large animal veterinarian and still have a farm Be a husband, be a dad, Mm. and be committed to the other things in my church and ministry and other things that I am committed to. So that was a challenge. But I'm not going to say it hadn't been tough. And I'm not going to say it hadn't been a challenge. But uh, I've never missed a little league baseball game. Matter of fact, I coached all of them and football too. And it's a degree of basketball and other aspects. So you can do it. Just make your priorities and have to make decisions every day.
0: Time management, I imagine, would be yeah, I'm key.
1: I'm pretty good at that. In that, and uh, that's
0: that's something I need to get better at. You know, when you when you're talking about running this vet and your farm and your family, and you had uh, your your boy, do you, are three three children? Three boys, yeah. Were they all pretty close in age?
1: Uh, yeah. There's uh about fourteen months between the oldest one, and then it was uh, four years difference to the third one.
0: Okay. Okay, because I've got well, they're young, pretty close. Yeah. I've got small children now that are very close in age, and we're obviously I'm not a vet, but we we try to to, to run a farm and do a few other things, and it's just uh man time management it's a heart. You know,
1: you know, here's the thing about it. You know, you got to really like cattle, and I'm sure everybody <laughs> out there, if they if they're listening and they have cattle, they're or they're not in cattle, you know, it's a very low profit margin. You gotta love it, you know. <laughs> And I do, you know, are there days you're out there on Sunday afternoons, it's freezing rain, you're feeding hay and doing this. You think, why am I doing this? (laughs) Because my buddies aren't having to deal with this right now. And you think, why am I doing it? And, and that's why less and less people do. Mm -hmm. But if you have the land and if you've ever really enjoyed cattle and, and just that connection with the land and Mm -hmm. connection with agriculture and just connection with cattle in general or horses, you know, it's just a it's just a good thing God created, I think. Mm. And, and so I enjoy it. You know, if I ever said, Well, nah, I could really do something else or tired. Of course. Yeah. I think we all say that. was it worth it or not? Uh, and you just have to make that decision it's each individual, but, uh, we have the land and, and we enjoy it. And so I guess that's why we're still doing it.
0: Well, and And I, I don't care what you do for a living. You're going to have hard days no oh, yeah. matter, yeah. no matter what it is. Yep. But those, Enjoyable days, you know, when the weather's not, and it, the weather doesn't always happen. I can, I've kind of learned to enjoy it, I guess, when the weather's bad. i tell you what, what gets me, Dr. Woodall the winter, the cold weather, it doesn't bother me. It's the mud. Yeah, mud. I agree. Oh, I agree. It's the, that's the worst part. It, it's the part worst of part, of it, yeah. You know?
1: you know, I tell people that cattle business. Can be the most rewarding thing in the world that you could do or be a part of, and it can also be the most disappointing. <laughs> and it can change in 24 hours. I mean, yes. I'm serious. Oh, yes, I mean, you can go out there oh, and yes. go, Man, I hit a, a little bull cave hit the ground, and I'm like, Oh man, this sucker, it's you know, just the, the cows doing great, it's a beautiful day, it's sunshiny, and you know, it's not too hot, not too cold. Man, this, you know, it just, this, you know, for me, you know, it's a, you know, people think, well, you're crazy, you know, but just see that and experience that and, and then turn around and then you find two in the sinkhole and it comes a flood that day, you know, you never,
0: you know, it's just, it can be that away. It so. can, it, you could bring you so much joy yeah. in one hour and the next hour you'll be sick to your yeah. stomach yeah. about, yeah. you know, I, during, during cabin season, you know, it, it never fails. Uh, you're, you're you're never going to have a hundred percent, uh, calf survival. I guess maybe if you have a couple of cows, you may, but yeah. if you've got, you know, an excess of 50 or so you're going to lose. You're going to, hopefully you can, it's minimal as possible, but you know, I've, I've been out there and, a, a, you know, a cow was in labor and, uh, I'll say, well, I'll come back in 20 minutes and check on, you know, I don't, there's no, I don't see a water bag yet. There's no feet being presented. So I say, well, she's got a lot of time. I'll go back 20 minutes later. She's done had the calf. and the the uh, placenta will have smothered it yeah, where it didn't yeah. break and she didn't clean it off yeah. and it just makes you sick in yeah. your stomach you yeah. know um, but the the good times you have with it and the success you know like when you somebody purchases a bull from from y'all oh, yeah. and to you know to see that crop of calves what he's going to produce yeah. it's it's exciting it's fun and it's probably hard to understand if you've never experienced it yeah. before
1: well I you know when somebody calls saying you know I bought a bull so and so years and he was the best one I said you know man that just that just that's I love that more than anything.
0: Yeah. That's gratifying to you, you know, more so than a a cow calf operation. You you get to have that relationship with your customers, where years down the road they say, "Hey, we still got this bull, mm-hmm. and they produce the best calves for yeah. us." And I, I can certainly imagine that that would be a very yeah, gratifying part of it. Yep. Uh, so, so Dr. Woodall, I mean, within breeds of cattle, I mean, there's there's good things about. I guess you could probably name a positive about. Every breed, just mm-hmm. about. You yep. know, there's, there's good Angus, there's good Hereford, Simmental, Charlet, whatever. Why did the Woodall family choose to focus on Angus genetics?
1: Well, like I say, we started, my dad, years ago with Hereford's because that's what a lot of people had. Mm-hmm. Angus bulls started coming around. You know, uh, my dad and I have also used some Simmental's and I still breed some St. Angus bulls, I sell a few. Uh, my dad and I, we, we, when I was in college, a lot of Galvey, you know bulls were coming very popular mm-hmm. and we used a couple Galvee bulls. Um, and they're okay, and like I say, there's real positive things about it, but I just, my experience as a veterinary, I can tell you this now, and my experience with breeding cattle and having a, a limited amount of experience with others, but a whole lot more as a veterinary, you just can't beat an angus cow it just uh there are problems and issues in our breed you know we have so then also with the angus breed there is a huge uh, genetic base mm-hmm. and and you can take an angus cow and you can do so much with her um and that was kind of the way we went for years and then with cab the angus breed has even grown bigger with certified mm-hmm. angus beef you know, you have the, the carcass merit aspects that are such an advantage, and then you got the maternal aspects that are such an advantage. And then here's the thing about it, uh, especially the way my dad's bred cattle because he's big on this. If they don't grow, he don't like them. And, you know, and that's one thing about our cows. A lot of times they'll do well maternally and milk a lot, and they'll get, make some of them the way we manage. They'll get pretty thin by the time we wean calves, but mm-hmm. they're bred back. But, man, we can turn them out on grass And just let them be a cow. And then by the time they cave, you know, they're, you know, fat, slick, nice. And that's, but, and we selected that for years. But I I guess, I guess my uncle had a big influence on my dad. And then we just kind of went that way. But just what an Angus cow did was, was our, uh, our direction Mm. why we went that way.
0: Well, you know, when I think about it, they're just so low maintenance, it seems like. You know, they make, they make the maternal side of it, they make fantastic mothers. Uh, they're, and of course you can get some wild ones too, but oh, yeah. docility is, is so important and majority, you know, the breed as a whole, very gentle, good yeah. disposition. Well,
1: you know, we have had what I call full blown idiots. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, we
1: have, and I've sold some bulls that would probably, uh, we do docility scores on everything. And of course the Angus breed has a docility EPD. Mm-hmm. And people can talk about that good, bad, or indifferent, but I have utilized that very heavily over the past 15 years, whenever mm. when they started, and I have made huge swings. Uh, you know, people joke at me because I want people to know when they buy a bull from me what they're getting, and I will make. And I've had a lot of people joke about this and hurt the sale of the bull. I will make a comment in my sale catalog: this bull is very alert. And we actually have docility scores of the bulls, one being just a puppy, okay mm-hmm. uh two being a docile bull, three maybe a little restless, four meaning he's flighty, you gotta watch <laughs> him, you know, and fours go they get right. they become steers or go, and you know it seems like we have a few here and there every year, you know, uh, but seemed like I have a lot less this year, and um And I think I've only culled one steer, bull, the whole, you know, out of probably 80 or 90 Mm -hmm. this year that I just didn't feel like had the disposition of what I wanted to sell. So, uh, but yeah, that's right. You know, docility uh, you got, you beat So, but it's a big genetic basis. You can have some not that away. You can have some cattle, not marble. You can have some that aren't good maternal, but you have such a big genetic base and the ability to AI and the ability to Mm -hmm. buy bulls that are out of a good AI size. You can make, you know, you can find the right kind of genetics. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, there's just so many resources are yes, available yes, yes. With, with the breed. So, uh, you know, y- y'all's labor on the farm, a lot of that comes from your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got your dad there. It sounds like you got your boys there. And I was looking on y'all's website, like I said, trying to get familiar with, with y'all. And I got to tell you, your boys, they're some good-looking young studs. Well, they got it from my mom. <laughs> they look like they ought to be in Hollywood shooting <laughs> movies. How did you manage to keep them on the farm? Well, like I say, my
1: oldest son's in vet school, and he was going to go to med school, got in, fixing to go, changed his mind at the last minute. He's been with me on thousands and thousands of calls, said, Daddy, you work too much. I don't want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a doctor. (laughs) And then uh, one day he came in and said, Dad, I changed my mind. I said, whoa, whoa, you didn't want to be a vet. You said, you know, didn't want to do that, didn't want to do that. Because, you know, I said, don't do that just because second thoughts about going to med school. He said, No said what you do is not that bad so mm-hmm. um, my middle son he's always wanted to own his own cattle and do his own thing and now he's working towards that the youngest one still has a lot of things to decide so i don't know i mean just uh we moved we lived real close to russellville when i first got out of vet school and i was going to live there temporarily i always wanted to build at the farm and we were actually here close to russell about 11 years but my goal was to build a house on the farm and because of where I'd be there where I could help work instead of going there and to raise my boys on the farm, like my dad did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's
0: pretty good decision. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure it's, of course, you know with, with with kids, I imagine you know you're going to support whatever they do. But just the fact that they have wanted to stay on the farm, yeah, I, I'm sure that's very gratifying to you as a yeah, dad. Yeah,
1: but I and I, like I say, and I've I made them work, and they appreciate that. But the, the, they don't if, whatever they want to do, wherever they want to go. I mean, I want them to make the decisions that they feel led to. You know, sure. so. And so they're, and they're they're making some of those decisions sure. now, which what they're going to do. But, but the aspect of learning how to work, being responsible, an aspect they they've learned that on the farm.
0: Well, and like you said earlier, you, the, the bonding experience with your dad that you had over the cattle. You know, I'm sure you're getting experience that exactly. with your kids now, and yep. that's that's yep. A, that's a beautiful thing. Yep, it really is. Uh, so Doc, being a seed stock producer. Um, I, I don't have any experience in the seed stock part of it, other than going to sales and buying bulls. You know, mm-hmm. cow calf operation is what we are. But I would think if I was in the seed stock business, and this just could be my personality, I would have the potential to be overwhelmed about the decision making part of it. About okay, it's another year breeding wise. I can use this bull over here. I can use this bull. I can use this recip cow. I can. It's it's so many decisions mm-hmm. to make about you know the the goal of wanting to pr- produce good animals. I would have a hard time with that. Is that ever a, a problem for you, or do you pretty much know? Hey, this is what I'm going well,
1: with? Well, um, we have a mission or vision of what we want, and our goals of what we're trying to do. We're trying to produce problem free cattle that will thrive on our farm under our management system that will produce bulls for my clients that is profitable for them. Okay. So I've bred a lot of mistakes and things, but I love the aspect of what to pick out, how to manage the cows. I mean, my dad gets, you know, cause I'm, I'm, we're, we're always moving cows to different groups, putting cows in age groups, um, quality groups management groups as far as pasture size and things like that so i'm always doing something like that all the time because i think we need to make this change or that and mm-hmm. our you know things change but i love the aspect of, of determining what to breed and how to do that you know it, it's it's pretty big i mean i'll have a i'll have a list of uh, 40 bulls that i want to breed to this next year And I use a lot of resources. Of course, I use EPDs, and I use uh, what's worked for us in the past, and I'll use some of the AI companies, their reps, and everything, their opinion. And I've got about 15 to 20 other Angus breeders that I call, say, "Hey, what's working? What's not?" Mm. And I get the feel from them and what's worked there and not, and I just kind of put all that together, and we decide. And I usually try. I usually pick probably more bulls than I should. That's why you might see you know, several different sires, but I also found out you throw all your eggs in one basket one year and and you find out something on that bull that didn't pan out, that Mm -hmm. doesn't work too good. So, you know, like we have, we have this year, we've got two predominant sires that have sired more bulls than any other group, a bull called Keneally Emerald and KG Justified, and they've done real well for us, you know, and there's a couple things on one of the bulls that maybe wasn't the same of what we kind of pictured or people told me or his numbers were, and they've changed a little bit. And, you know, and, and if I'd bred some cows more to them, I might've had some more issues along those lines. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's always, things are changing, but I, I, it's my passion. That's oh, what it's, I love. it's yeah. fun, man. Yeah. You
0: we're know, just looking at the, the genetic potential of what you might come out with. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I never thought about that as far as I, I guess you could either, it could go up both ways if you put all your eggs in one basket with one particular bull it it could go over well but maybe not we're diversifying and different bulls might be a
1: but i use a lot of other people's opinions and ideas that have used bulls bred
0: them you know all across the country sure sure that that makes sense so i i'm curious whenever you ai everything is that what is that correct we ai
1: every cow and every bull one time unless we put an embryo in we have one group of cows that we'll put embryos in twice if they don't stick, but then we put cleanup bulls out. And uh we put cleanup bulls as soon as we get through AI and we time breed everything. You know, as a veterinary and I will synchronize everything, which causes a lot of labor issues there in a week, not sure. quite a bit. But it's able I get to put semen in the cows every cow in about a week period, and then we turn bulls out. What do you
0: use to synchronize?
1: Uh we use uh and of course we use we use an off-sync protocol with the cedar okay pretty basically so so some of the older cow groups i might not put a cedar in because that's the biggest expense in that uh this past year i just went ahead and bit the
0: bullet and used a cedar on every cow okay we that. my dad he used to do a lot of ai and back in the 80s and 90s uh kind of got away from that but we uh, we had a group of heifers we uh gave a shot of lute too. to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it i was disappointed with the the rates on that as far as trying to well
1: them well so so the first synchronization we had with cattle was lute lice, which is a prostaglandin mm-hmm. there's several different products you can look at right now as far as prostaglandins and what it does is it gets rid of the cl so what a cl is a yellow body corpus luteum and that's on the cow's ovary Okay, and when she drops her egg or ovulates five to seven days later, that turns into a CL. Mm-hmm. Okay, her natural body, if she's not pregnant, the uterus produces prostaglandin, like lute, lice, Say, hey, we're not pregnant. Let's come in heat. So that's what we were doing with Lutalyse. Okay, mm-hmm. we're saying, hey, we're not pregnant. Let's get rid of the CL and come in heat. Mm-hmm. If she's cycling, it works, and if she's having follicles where the egg's gonna drop, if she's in the right stage of that, it works. If it wasn't in that stat right stage, you would have gotten rid of the CL, but she may not have showed you a heat. So with GnRH, seven days later, and there's all different protocols like that. We simulate her follicle wave, which which releases an egg, and we get rid of the CL. We just kind of time all that a little bit better, and it's not 100% foolproof, but it makes things better. You got to remember they're biological animals, and they don't all work. But yes. A lot of people for years use straight lute lice X number of days apart, and it can work fine. It can, mm. you know, if you do that, it's great. But uh, but there's a lot of reasons why people get frustrated with that. And, you know, detailed reproductive class, I can sit here and show you why all it happens. <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's disappointing disappointment beef cows, you ought to have a dairy. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, so you, you put the cleanup bull in. Mm-hmm. Um, once they have their once the calf hits the ground do you DNA test to see if okay the the AI is that the AI or the cleanup yeah. bull Yeah so what
1: we do is um I have a really detailed as a veterinarian doing this I have a really detailed herd health program I actually list that in my catalog in my bull sale what we do when Uh we will we will <laughs> I spend a fortune of money in identification on my bulls and heifers they get a tag when they're born When we work them with the little kids, they get a metal clip with the same tag. When I wean them, they get a new tag. It says what they're out of, dam and sire, and that where I can look at them and talk to people and say what they're out of. We also tattoo them at that time. When they're a year old, when we've semen checked those bulls, they get branded on their side and get our farm brand on there. And then sale day, they get an EID tag, a lot tag, and then they have that other identification tag in there. So we do spend... I figured it up one time i spent a lot of money in identification but to answer your question when they're weaned we dna everything at that time we pull blood and run mm. the cards and double check and we, we and we pretty close on everything but we'll find some you know there's been a few times that they come back and be out of the hurt different herd bull and i go ain't no way you know and then i'll go back and look in Dave's book oh yeah that bull got out that day <laughs> <laughs> but so so we we you know at the beauty part of that is we do you know everything's gene seek through the angus association mm-hmm. parent uh, uh verified and so if we do have a cow that we off synced and we ai and she didn't show heat and she shows the heat three days later to the bull and i thought oh she stuck ai from when she calved we'll dna those improve those one way or the other okay
0: sure. i know the, the the seed stock part of it's Extensive record keeping. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Yes, it is. And you know that's the biggest difference between you know the, the cow calf side to you know I whenever uh, you know we have calves born, I'll I'll try to catch the calf within forty eight hours, give it an ear tag about who its who its dam is and who its sire is, mm-hmm. and you know that's the extent of my record keeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but what y'all are doing, you know, when you have a calf yeah. born, you got to. Wow. I got to it, weigh, it.
1: weigh it, I vaccinate for scours, we put a tag in at that time, we look at the cow and do, I like, have some things there I want to write down as far as how maternal she is and other and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and then, then we put that, we used to tattoo them when they were little, where they're after mm-hmm. so, so while, so if they lose a tag, you know, we right. get them in there, but... The little calves were so hard to get tattooed. What we start doing is put a little metal clip in their ear. Mm. So we get that metal clip in their ear when they're small. When we black legs start vaccinating pretty quick, that'll be in there. So if we lose a tag before we get ready to work them at weaning, uh, we've got one or the other in there. We'll know who they are. Sure. So if we don't, if we lose both or have any issues like that, we'll we'll stick them back with the cows
0: and you know figure it out. But yeah. So the twenty eighth. 27th. And 27th, I'm sorry. Oh, it's on the is it on February the 28th or 27th? Sales on it's always the
1: last Monday in February, okay. so that's the
0: 27th. The, okay, so the 27th annual sale. It's the
1: 28th annual sale on the 27th of February. Okay, so yeah, 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 right. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I
0: got confused on that yeah, too when yeah. I was looking at your website. Yeah. The 28th annual sale on February the 27th at 5:30 p.m. uh in Quality, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. What are you most excited about for this upcoming sale mm. as far as the progeny that you have to offer? I
1: guess I'm really excited because a lot of people are going to come to the farm that day. Mm. You know, that's an exciting thing for me. Um, I don't have a bull this year. I, so as I've had some, my auctioneer came and went through the bulls here the other day. I don't have a bull that just like, He's a stomping go-getter compared to all the others. I don't, you know. Usually this year you got you know bull or two that's really good. I've got some bulls that are a whole lot better than the others. There's two bulls I've used myself as cleanup, like I told you, and they'll be in the sale, young bulls, and they've held up well and they're looking really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a top five or six that I really really like that are um, one of them's an Emerald Sun and a Stellar Sun, and they're structurally really good. I, I like them. Um, I guess the most exciting thing I have about this sale is you can pull off the top five or six and probably pull off the bottom seven or eight or nine or so. There's 62 bulls for sale and you're not going to find a lot of difference between all those.
0: So so consistency is what we're talking about.
1: I think I have a very consistent group of bulls and like you and I were talking before we started this, uh, We got sire groups on my sheet, and our website will be out. Our catalog will be on the website soon, and then a mailing catalog, and then we'll have it on Facebook also. But I've got a, as you and I said, I have a old final answer son in the bull sale this year. So it's I found that straw semen I had for a long time, used him, so I have that. I've got a Midian focus embryo calf out of a cow that was born in 1994, and uh, uh, he's a good bull. He's okay. He's probably right in the half. You know the middle group of mine. The final answer son is one of the better bulls in the whole group. So uh,
0: the final answer. When I I saw y'all advertise it somewhere, you're going to have a final answer. I put it soon.
1: on Facebook. Yeah, I well, tried to do.
0: I was I couldn't believe it when I saw it because yeah. I said I you, I don't hey, which well, he's been dead now. For I don't know how many years.
1: Uh, it's been ten or so. Yeah.
0: But I didn't think you could buy any semen off that bull anymore, which you said you can. It's just very. there's some
1: there's some websites that like sell semen for people you put on there for old bulls or whatever a couple different straws and it's pretty proud i don't know what it would actually be right now but i'm sure it's a whole lot and oh, it's very rare
0: that's that was fun for me to hear especially yeah. the story but you had it in there yeah. and it just fell between the cracks and you saw it and yeah that's that's exciting man because uh-huh. that that bull somebody's gonna get a really good bull hope so i um, so hope
1: he's really popular <laughs> he
0: i would think he would have to be because it's almost like you're Bringing something back from the dead, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's that's that's wild. That's a really you know we
1: still have some old file answer cows that are just doing good at home now. Still, oh, yeah. they yeah. they
0: his his daughters, which we like I told you before, we kept a lot of his daughters, and they're just just wonderful cows. Mm-hmm. Couldn't couldn't ask for better mothers. Um, so if if a producer is in the market for a bull this spring, why should they consider what all Angus farm?
1: Well, you know, I made a comment the other day to somebody like that and wrote something in my catalog, too. There's a lot of good cattle out there. I mean, and the thing about it is the Internet and free delivery, you can buy cattle in Virginia, Mm. Montana, Missouri, and good cattle, good bulls, you know. And, you know, and and it's it's a global, you know, national market, you know, that I'm facing, you know. And so... We sell bulls a little bit distant here, and I mean, not not. We I've sold in different, quite a few other states and stuff, but uh, I guess the aspect what I shared with you earlier that I try to raise mine just like the people that are going to buy my bulls, mm-hmm. and so I feel like the bulls are going to hold up well. I mean, you can't starve a bull down, you know, you can't overdo any of them. I don't care, but uh, I feel like they're going to hold up well, and I feel like every one of them is maternal behind, and they're going to make good cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like, say there's better bulls than others. If I actually did some statistics the other day, on average, these bulls are much more east than a lot of Angus bulls. Um, if you know anything about ribeye area, uh, the average ribeye area for our bulls in October, when they were right at a year old, 13 months or a year old was a 14.1, uh, inches ribeye area, square area. And the bulls average probably thousand fifty, thousand sixty pounds. So that's one point four inches of ribeye per hundred pounds, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. Um there is an there's an index in the Angus breed called Dollar M and it combines the EPDs, Kevin's, structure, milk, all those things together, and it, and so uh I'm not a hundred percent sure what the Angus breed for average dollar M is, but uh, I think my son and I figured it up the other day, 40% of our bulls are in the top uh, 10, I think it was 45% of the bulls are in the top 10% of the breed for dollar m. Now I don't select for dollar m, but I select for, you know, actually looking at the bull and say, okay, I'm going to use that bull because he's got a high dollar m. Okay. I don't ever, I've never done that, but I do select for a lot of maternal characteristics in my cow. And over time, I've just noticed that that dollar M when they had that's really high. So, dollar M and these bulls are going to be much in the top ten percent of the whole breed. Mm-hmm. Um, Ribeye area, the other aspect, uh, just just the bulls I feel like will hold up. You know, do you know and should do well. I put a lot of emphasis on structure. We have a guaranteed breeding, just like most people do. We also have a two foot, two year foot guarantee. Mm. And so if your bull develops a genetic condition with his feet in two years, we've written up there that we guarantee that we'll sell them and we'll work with you on getting you another bull. Uh, you know, I've sold bulls that had feet issues and can't, as a veterinarian, you just don't understand how passionate I am. I hate that so much. Uh, and But I feel like we're getting better all the time and I'm going to keep continuing to do that. So, and I guess the last thing would be, and you can get this a lot of places, you know, we we, if you're not happy and you can hear this a lot of places, if you're not happy with the bull or whatever you buy, we're not going to be happy. I mean, if there's a problem, we want to make it right. And so, so uh, we're, we're in a business for a long time. We won't stay that away.
0: Well, that, that means so much as far as easing a customer's mind and what you said about the two year uh, deal with the structure of the feet. Uh, I love that. That is Fantastic. We've okay.
1: done that for, I guess, four or five years now. Oh, and, that, like that.
0: and maybe, maybe other breeders do that. I'm sure some of them do. But that's that means a whole, whole lot. You know, when you have a when you paid a lot of money for a bull, and then, a well, year he ends up coming up lame. And can't breed cows, yeah. that's very discouraging.
1: And, and when we do that, it has to be a genetic aspect. You know, if a bull steps on a nail or something, because sure. that's, you know, that's not be related or covered. And I need to look at and make sure, just, you know, just, sure. just make sure there's some, some accountability behind it. Right. But, but yeah, that's, that's one of our deals. So. Well, that's,
0: no, that's, that's great. I love that. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned something, you can get a bull from anywhere in the country, but it means a lot. You know, if, if you go out to Montana, and buy a bull those bulls are not suited not for, for here. our climate mm-hmm. here and our forages here when yeah. they get here it's going to be a shock to them they may adjust at some point you can
1: move them north and east it's hard to move them south and you can move them north and west it's hard to move them south and east mm-hmm. you know the southeast is just you know it's, it's different environment you know it's just hard for them to handle it as well well
0: that that's that means a lot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just having local bulls here that are adapted to this mm-hmm. environment. Y'all didn't push them hard; they're just they're made to to hold up well. Mm-hmm. That that means a lot. Uh, so you know, uh, folks out there that are in the market, and I'm sure at, at Tennessee we've got this ag enhancement deal in genetics. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the majority, if not all of them, yeah. I
1: always the EPDs change a little bit, you know, as we get closer. So those last week or two, we usually have a. You know, less than half a dozen that mm-hmm. won't you ha- you know won't writ, you know qualify for the enhancement money. So we always check that and see, and we announce that sale day. If there is a bull that does not qualify for Kentucky or Tennessee genetic enhancement money, as far as the EPDs, we announce it that say, you know, he does not qualify because we don't want anybody not knowing that, you know, So but, sure. but most all of them do.
0: Sure. Okay. Well, that is great to know. And uh, Doc, one last question. This is really kind of changing the subject from what we talked about, but uh tim baldwin who's one of our employees down at the co-op i think y'all know each other mm-hmm. yeah, pretty well we tim actually we had him on this uh it was back in the summertime we talked about noodling okay catfishing because he okay. likes to go out and catch some catfish yep, by hand yep. have you ever been with him when he went noodling? i have been sure have yeah hey, so you've stuck your hand in one of them holes and hauled out I, a big fish
1: you know the last the one time i had been with tim i didn't get to but my boys did and now my boys have gone wild, and so actually there'll be a picture <laughs> in the catalog of they caught one. I can't remember. I think it was sixty-five pounds out of Green River this time. They went, you know. So so, I um, I've been with him, and we keep we talking like a year ago we go, <laughs> and it never did work out. I'm, I guess mostly because I was too busy. But yeah, but uh, but yeah, my boys they 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 love it.
0: So. I saw a picture on y'all's website. I guess it was, it was maybe two of your boys, and they were holding up some. Great big old fish. Yeah, yeah, huge, yeah. huge fish. And I, I thought to myself, yeah, it had to be a yeah. That Tim was that, that, that was a Tim that.
1: induced uh, <laughs> uh, uh, issue there.
0: Well, Doc, this has been fun, okay. man. I, I hope you've. Uh, well, how long have we been going now? It's Right at an hour. Can okay. you believe it? Uh uh-uh. uh So again, the sale twenty eighth of February. No. It's the 20, 28th annual sale yes, yes. on the 27th the of February. The last
1: Monday in February. Last Monday
0: in February at 5.30, 530
1: PM. p.m. We're going to feed everybody right before then. We always serve everybody food. The bulls will be pinned and the cows will be pinned uh, uh, that afternoon for everybody to look at. Uh, if people don't know, we don't run the bulls through or the females through the sale ring. We do a video auction. So we're actually in the process of videoing them right now, and they're really muddy. So they're mm. real well looking cattle. I hate that. But uh, but you can look at them through the wholesale anytime. We're going to sell some uh, cow-calf pairs, some bred heifers, and we're going to sell a bunch of commercial heifers and commercial bred cows of my sons, too. So okay. we're going to have bulls. Registered cows, registered heifers, commercial heifers, and commercial cows.
0: It's yep. going to be a great sale. Hope so. Yep, so. <laughs> well, Doc, I appreciate you taking the thank time you, to do Cody. this again. And, uh, Hope it wasn't a waste. No, no, it was good. It was real good, real good. You did excellent. For your first time ever, you're a natural teacher, man. <laughs> you did you did fantastic. So uh, anything else you want to add before we no, wrap up? No, I appreciate it. it. No, I'm good. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the grazing podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and come pay us a visit at Robertson Sheatham Farmers Co-op.